episode of Do You Want to Hear a Story was created for adult audiences. This episode contains content that may be alarming to some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. At dusk on the 16th of December 2017, 10% of the population of Larimer, Australia, disappeared. But this is not the story of alien abductions or a supernatural force at work. This is the tale of Paddy Moriarty and his dog Kelly, up and disappearing without a trace from the little town of Larimer, population 11. Do you want to hear a story? Will you give a few seconds of your time? Good evening, I'm not usually a fan of unsolved crimes as stories on the podcast, but just as when we covered the Maura Murray case in season one, the case of Paddy Moriarty is just too interesting not to tell. As with any story, it's the who's, the what's, the why's and the where's. For Paddy Moriarty and his red Kelpie Kelly, the where, the who and the why in this story definitely makes for an interesting telling. Irish-born Paddy Moriarty arrived in Australia in 1969, around the age of 18. He made immediately for the Northern Territory, landing in Larimer. He became somewhat of a local celebrity, with his signature moustache, blue singlet, thongs, and his hat that he never left behind. He was always up for a beer, he had a hundred stories to tell, and he was always ready to share a laugh. The town of Larimer is as out back as they come, as remote as it gets. The type of town where if you blink while you're driving through it, you'll miss it. Around 431 kilometres south of the Northern Territory's capital, Darwin, or six hours north of where British backpacker Peter Falconio, the story that inspired Wolf Creek, disappeared from in 2001. Home to just 11 residents, where the average age is 70 or so, if you count Paddy. Hmm. I guess it's just 10 now. Larimer's biggest draw card, depending on who you ask, is either Barry Sharp's Pink Panther Hotel, named for its interesting decor, where Paddy spent almost every evening habitually drinking eight cans of Forex Gold, up until the night of his disappearance, or Fran's Devonshire Tea House, the home of the world's famous camel pie if you ask Fran Hodgett. But if you were to ask Paddy though, Fran has the worst pies, even his dog won't eat them. Paddy's house is right on the highway. It's an old unused service station. It's directly across the road from Fran's. Now lining Fran's front fence are a dozen blackboards listing all the items on her menu. Strategically, the prices aren't included, and just as well because her pies are $13 and her scones are even more. Now, Patty and Fran were well known in the town for not seeing eye to eye on almost everything. And in response to Fran lining her fence with the signs, Patty had his own sign out the front, alerting tourists to the best pies in town, down at the Pink Panther. Little Larimer is made up of only four or five roads, 20 or so humble homes, the rubbish dump, the Pink Panther, and France, the closest service stations about 100 kilometers away. And now, on paper, I think Larimer sounds like quite 
the little outback town where everyone knows everyone, your neighbours are your mates, tourists stop in for a beer at the Pink Panther or a scone at France. But rooted firmly in the centre of this story is the underbelly of Larimer, where in reality it's a town riddled with feuds and backstabbing. Eleven people coexisting in close quarters based on remoteness. It's Big Brother, Outback Edition. Local Aboriginals refuse to visit, let alone live in Larimer, saying the place is haunted. Now in the case of Paddy Moriarty, if you were to ask anyone close to the story, there's a number of theories as to where Paddy is. Some believe he ended up baked into one of Fran's pies. Others think he may have ended up in a sinkhole. Just in case Larimer wasn't already sounding like an attractive holiday destination, it's well known for sinkholes. Or maybe Paddy was eaten by a wild pig, another attraction of Larimer. What can be agreed upon by the various witnesses is that between 6pm and 6.30pm on Saturday, December 16th, Paddy left the Pink Panther with his dog Callie. Drove his quad bike the couple of hundred metres to his home, which he did every night. Put a leftover Woolworths chicken given to Callie by a tourist, who police now believe was the last person to see Paddy in his microwave, and vanished. He didn't return the following morning to collect the lawnmower he'd arranged to borrow from Barry at the Pink Panther, or to catch up and watch the TV show Landline, something he and Barry did every Sunday night at the bar. They called it going to church. Barry and others started looking for Paddy on the Monday, and police commenced a three-day search on the Wednesday. Another four-day forensic search was performed by the Territory Response Group a week later. No sign of Paddy or Callie was found. Literally no sign. At his house was his wallet and bank card, the roast chook in the microwave, his hat, his glasses, which he never left home without, a half-eaten plastic tub of dim sims, his bed was still made, and according to those who knew him well, Paddy was very much a creature of habit, finishing each day by marking off the date on his calendar. When police searched his home, the last date marked off was the 15th, the day before he went missing. The police also noted that there was zero disturbance at the house, absolutely no sign of a struggle, nothing was out of place. It really was as if Paddy just up and walked off, leaving everything behind. To that though, the lead investigator in Paddy's disappearance, Detective Sergeant Matt Allen, said during the first search for Paddy in the days preceding his disappearance, he had an excellent visibility from the helicopter. He believed Paddy would have easily been spotted by him or his officers if he had met Misadventure in the bush. So what happened to Paddy and Kelly? Where are they? In the middle of nowhere, a town where literally everyone knows everyone's business. How does someone just up and disappear? After three long years of unrelenting searching across land, from the air, divers through the lakes, and the local dump being completely turned over, the police are now calling this murder. They are actively working a murder case. Detective Sergeant Matthew Allen had the following to say. A $250,000 reward has now been offered for information in relation to the death of Paddy Moriarty. Paddy was last seen at dusk on the 16th of December 2017 after he left the Larimer Hotel on his quad bike with his dog Kelly. They have not been seen since. The reward is for information that leads to locating Paddy's body and convicting who is responsible. It is hard to keep a secret. Someone out there knows what happened. 
We want them to come forward. Help us solve a murder. Pick up the phone. We want to hear from you. You may be eligible for immunity from prosecution. Paddy was 70 years of age when he disappeared. He was 168 centimetres tall, with black and grey hair, wearing a white singlet, dark shorts, brown thongs and a dark cap. We have a photo of Paddy taken at the Larimer Hotel on the day he went missing, which shows what he was wearing. Kelly was a young female red kelpie. The investigation remains focused on establishing what happened to Paddy, where he might be and who is responsible for his murder. The investigation remains active. We continue to follow up information from the public. A number of people have been eliminated from our inquiries. We continue to speak to the people of Larimer, including those who have left, as well as those who knew Paddy and had dealings with him prior to his disappearance. There are obviously still persons of interest in relation to this murder. Certainly some are a lot stronger than others. They know who they are. A number of items have been seized during the investigation. In relation to these items, we're hoping to take advantage of developments in forensic science, whether that be in Australia or overseas. What couldn't be done three years ago, yesterday or even today, may be able to be done tomorrow. Detectives believe the death of Paddy is a murder. A 70 year old man and his dog do not just disappear from a tiny outback town. Despite the challenges, police will continue to investigate. The case will only be closed when it is solved. It is a mystery. We all want to know what happened to Paddy and Kelly. This reward will help spark conversations about what happened. Any person with information regarding the disappearance of Paddy is asked to call NT Police on 131444 or Crime Stoppers on 1800 000. If you travelled through Larimer or stopped there on the weekend of the 16th of December 2017 and we haven't spoken to you yet, please give us a call. Someone out there has information about what happened to Paddy and we want them to come forward. Over the past three years, a number of searches have been conducted, whether that be by air or across remote bushland. I wish to thank the volunteers, locals and police who have helped with these searches. Further searches for Paddy will continue for as long as it takes. He says there are obviously still persons of interest in relation to this murder. Certainly some are stronger than others. They know who they are. In a town of just 11, the list of suspects obviously isn't long. Something that I believe would be a constant source of frustration for the investigators. Ten people, someone has to know what happened. While not everyone in Larimer plays a main role in the murder of Paddy Moriarty, everyone has been questioned multiple times over. Detective Sergeant Matthew Allen has clearly made it a priority to find Paddy's murderer. Sinkhole and wild pigs were not the only rumours that circled around Larimer during the investigations. Some locals even suggested Paddy's best mate Barry to be involved. I think this stems from the place that Barry had the means to dispose of a body in the pub's backyard, in the form of Sneaky Sam, a three and a half metre long saltwater crocodile that made up part of Barry's wildlife sanctuary. Police investigated these allegations, but were confident in ruling that out. It seems though, if you were to follow the pointing fingers by locals, the place to look is across the road from Paddy's place, and Fran. I touched on it earlier, Paddy and Fran were famously known for being the furthest thing from friends. 
Who knows exactly what kicked off the feuding between Paddy and Fran? What we do know is the Civil War of Larimer really kicked off when Barry no longer felt that Pink Panther and Sneaky Sam was enough of a drawcard to lure in the tourist business, and he too began selling pies, stepping in on Fran's 20-year legacy of the best pies in the territory. I've had trouble with him all along. Big, big trouble. Like last year I took him to court for poisoning my garden. He threw an old dead kangaroo under my bedroom. I've had so many things, and it's all been reported to the police. They've got it on record. He started stirring shit around town about what I was doing in the kitchen and how much I was selling my pies for, and oh, I was this and it was that, because he was very jealous, you see, very jealous of what I've got here, and, and plus um, the pub on opposition to the pub. The feuding began with pies, and as Fran tells it, it continued to escalate. So I stopped him coming here, and that's when all this trouble started. He started pinching stuff, pinching umbrellas from here, and uh, damaged me property, and giving me cheek, and telling customers here not to come in, putting broken glass under under car wheels, you know, over the parking bay because he he didn't he didn't want them parking over there, and he'd, they'd pull up over there in front of his place, and they'd, te- he'd tell him not to come in here that nothing was homemade. And I mean, I'm not rubbishing the man. I'm only telling you, it's all been reported to the police right through. The disagreements, the feuds, and the hatred between locals very much worked its way into the police investigations, with Detective Sergeant Matthew Allen saying, when asked if police were taking the feud seriously, and if they were still part of the police investigations, he said... Everything is still on the table. It's an unsolved homicide. Um, Nothing's been ruled out at this stage. If you can believe it, in a town of ten... There's a man that most locals have either never met or have never had a conversation with. This man was employed by Fran in 2017, six months or so before Paddy went missing, as a gardener. His name was Owen Laurie. He lives in a small house on her property. Police continued to investigate with Fran as their prime suspect. The forensic mob went through my house. They found nothing. They pumped out my septic, they didn't find anything. They scraped out my incinerators, they didn't find anything. They poked holes in all the garden, they didn't find anything. The detective went in the shed and found a couple of hammers. And they, of course you find hammers in every shed. And he put the torch on the hacksaw and found blood on it. Of course, he said to Owen, is this your? And Owen said yes, and they took it away. We knew it was it was um, uh, turkey, uh, chicken meat. We always cut up our meat for our dogs, you know. We always keep our meat frozen, you know that in the Territory. But nothing has been found. It was all put through testing. Nothing was, everything was negative. People were genuinely beginning to believe that Paddy may actually have ended up in Fran's pies. These allegations were given so much light and airtime that police had to investigate, later saying that after conducting a number of forensic tests on Fran's home, shed, shop and meat grinder, there was no evidence to support the story. Call her paranoid. Fran has had the thought that maybe Patty's out there in hiding, 
just to get her in trouble. The owner of a local pie shop in the Northern Territory town of Larimer has denied she had anything to do with the disappearance of Paddy Moriarty. An inquest into the suspected death of the 70-year-old man has examined an apparent ongoing feud between the pair. In June 2018, a coronal inquest into the suspected death of Paddy Moriarty began in Catherine, approximately 200 kilometres from Larimer. I say suspected because there was still no body at this point. Police insist that someone in Larimer must know something about Paddy's death, and given the advanced age of some of Larimer's residents, it was agreed that the inquest would be held earlier rather than later. The inquest, as has much of Paddy's case, garnered a huge media turnout. All there to see the Larimer 10. I assumed during the inquest the town was empty. Since Paddy's disappearance, the residents of Larimer had more than grown apart, and for some of them, this was the first time they were seeing each other in a really long time. Bobby Roth, who once worked for Fran, and Bobby's husband, gave evidence at the inquest saying that on multiple occasions during her time in the kitchen, Fran had said she wanted to kill Paddy. Bobby's husband, Carl, said the same thing, but he felt there was no real intent behind it, rather than just something somebody says. At the inquest, Calvin Curry, the counsel assisting the coroner, takes Fran through many, many occasions on which she had complained to the police about Paddy, for such offences as warning tourists about her substandard food, stealing her red umbrella, breaking a plastic fitting on her hose connected to the water pump, and depositing roadkill in her front yard. The last time he did this, she says, was four days before he vanished. How many times have you said, I'm going to murder him? Calvin asks Fran. Fucking million, million, million times, she replies. Now, Paddy wasn't the only one who didn't like Fran in Larimer. Short, fat, abrupt, rude, overbearing unless you're doing something for her or you're doing her a favour, is how the Pink Panther's former bartender, Richard Simpson, described her in a statement to police. It was suggested by a number of residents at the inquest that Richard was jealous of Paddy because Paddy had become somewhat of an unofficial second-in-command at the bar. Richard denied this, and he called Paddy a mate. He said it was someone that he really enjoyed having at the bar. Barry had to let Richard go in the end from the Pink Panther. His drinking on the job had become too much. Owen Laurie, Fran's new gardener, was the last witness to give evidence at the inquest. Laurie tells the court that within hours of their meeting, Fran had told him about her problem across the road, Paddy Moriarty. Fran likes to talk, he says. He's heard the stories of Paddy over and over and over. The coroner is particularly interested at this point in a verbal altercation between Paddy and Owen that had happened just three days before his disappearance. Later that afternoon, Richard Simpson, the former bartender from the Pink Panther, caught up with Paddy for a beer. Simpson tells the court, he told me that Owen had come out and told him to shut his fucking dog up or he'd shut it up for him. During her evidence, Fran recalls Laurie telling her about the exchange. Calvin Curry, the counsel assisting the coroner, asks, did he seem upset? Fran responds by saying, I'd be lying if I said no. She says she also remembers telling Owen, don't do anything stupid because I'm going to Darwin and I don't want to come back and have to bail you out of jail. A couple of weeks before Paddy went missing, Owen had been planting along the front fence at the front of Fran's place. Fran advised him not to bother given the risk that the plants would end up poisoned, something that she claims Paddy had done in the past. Owen said to Fran, any fucking bastard comes here and poisons my fucking garden, 
there will be the first murder in Larimer. At the inquest, Owen said to the court, I said it jokingly. You know, people say things like that. I had no intention to murder anybody over a garden. Owen goes on to list all the medical reasons he believes would prevent him from harming Patty. A bad ankle, a heart condition, high blood pressure, and osteoporosis. Calvin Curry asks him, Would you regard yourself as a social creature? Owen says no. Later he says, I like to stay inside. I go on the computer, muck around on there. Calvin asks, At the end of your time on your computer, do you usually log off? Owen responds, yes. Following Patty's disappearance, police had seized Owen's desktop computer. And upon further investigation, police find that Owen had not logged off his computer from the 16th to the 18th. Calvin asks Owen about a virus message that he'd received on the evening of the 16th. Owen responds by saying, there's a webpage you have to go to. You got to call them and pay money for them to answer your questions. There was a telephone number. I think by then I might have gone to the phone box and rang that number and not gotten an answer. Larimer's only phone box happens to be right next to Fran's tea house and directly opposite Patty's place. Its records do show two calls made to an IT company at 6.30pm and 6.31pm on the 16th. Both went unanswered. Coincidentally, that's just about the time Patty left the Pink Panther on his quad bike. Owen Laurie declares he neither saw Paddy or heard his bike. So the one sleepy outback town of just 11, where not much of anything ever really happens, has been completely turned upside down. After Paddy's disappearance, Barry was diagnosed with cancer, no longer able to work, having to give up his wildlife park, and later selling the Pink Panther. The locals are now dealing with the roll-on effect of all the media coverage on Paddy's story constantly being visited from tourists with questions and theories on the case. As it stands now, every single person in Laramo has been questioned by police multiple times, given evidence that the coronial inquest, which has been adjourned, part heard, had properties searched, and most at one point or another, a finger pointed at them. All have denied anything to do with Paddy and Kelly's disappearance. So I ask you, where the fuck is Paddy? Paddy?